Well, if you have a Bible with you this evening, I'm turning tonight to John chapter 6 for our gospel sermon. And I'd like to focus our attention on those familiar words in verse 35. John chapter 6 and verse 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. And my subject this evening is spiritual satisfaction. Spiritual satisfaction. Something I think you begin to discover more and more the older you get is just how dissatisfied people are. Everyone desires more, don't they? They want more. They either crave something new or they're hankering after something old. There is this continual and relentless appetite, isn't there, for more and more and more. And so people pursue one avenue, trying to find satisfaction. And when they find that that fails to quench their thirst, they move on to some other pursuits, some new venture. The things that delighted them yesterday they lose their gloss they lose their allure and their appeal and so they have to move on man is endlessly wandering seeking something some new experience some someone some relationship whatever it might be that they think will satisfy them now tonight we read two passages from the bible and in both of the passages that we read we saw large crowds In Exodus chapter 15 and and chapter 16 that we read, those parts, there was a vast multitude. On that occasion, it was the Israelites. They'd just come out of Egypt, perhaps numbering some three million people. And they were dissatisfied. And in our passage here in John chapter 6, we have another large company of people, people who are following the Lord Jesus Christ. We're told there was 5,000 men But perhaps it was treble that number with women and children who had gathered there as well. But on both the occasions, here in John 6 and back in Exodus chapter 15, we have these large crowds who were unhappy and they were dissatisfied. In the days of Moses, the people murmured. They complained because they were thirsty and they were hungry. And they thought it would have been better, as we read there, to have been to have stayed in Egypt, to stay by the flesh pots. It would have been better if they died in Egypt, they said. And here in John chapter 6, the people were dissatisfied too. They felt that the Messiah, when he was going to come, he would set up an earthly kingdom and he would drive out the Romans and that the, the nation of Israel would once again become the most prosperous and the most prominent and the most glorious nation on the earth. And the problem was that both crowds were thinking only about earthly things. Their minds were consumed, weren't they, with this world and the things of this world. And their attitude and their responses exposed their spiritual ignorance and their spiritual blindness and dullness. Here in John chapter 6, the Lord Jesus Christ had just fed this vast company, 5,000 people, with just five loaves and two fish. And the people had all been filled. And because they were satisfied temporarily, and they saw someone who could miraculously you know, produce food for their bodies, in verse 15, we have that they wanted to take this 
the Lord Jesus Christ. They wanted to take him by force and make him king. But Jesus escapes and he goes over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. We know from the bit that we didn't read this evening and from the other Gospels that he does so by walking across the water, miraculously walks across the water in the middle of the night. But the following day, the crowds are perplexed. They look out. They know the disciples got into a boat and the disciples crossed over to the other side. Jesus did not get into a boat, but they can't find the Lord Jesus Christ. And they wonder where he is. They can't find him. And so they charter other boats to go and find him. We read that there in in verse 24. They jump into other boats that are there and they cross over to Capernaum. And it's there at Capernaum that they now find the Lord Jesus Christ. And they say to him, you know, how did you get here? We We saw the disciples get into a boat and they crossed. We didn't see you get into a boat. So how come you're here, Lord Jesus Christ? They say that in verse 25. Rabbi, when camest thou hither? But Jesus, he doesn't answer them. He doesn't answer this in a sense of foolish question because it's, all, it's only concerned with the earthly. He has far greater things on his mind. He has spiritual things on his mind. They were still concerned and consumed with earthly things that they had been filled with the, the loaves and the fish. And he has to tell them very plainly in verse 26 there. He says, ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. In other words, Jesus says, says to the people here, look, you're, you're, you're thinking only about your stomachs. You, you, you haven't understood. I performed this great miracle. I've done this, this miraculous sign, this amazing thing, but you fail to understand its significance. It was a great sign. He says to them, look, I did something very physical and supernatural. I took these five loaves and these two fish and I multiplied them to this vast multitude who were weak and hungry and it was a sign for you. It was pointing. That's what signs do, isn't it? In actual fact, when you read the book of John, the Gospel of John, he often uses that word sign to speak of the miracles. And it's significant because it's saying the miracles are pointing to something. And Jesus says to them, look, I want you to understand what I'm pointing towards. It's of of great spiritual significance. And so to stress the point, in verse 35, he has to tell them in plain language, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth in me shall never thirst. He says, in a sense, look, there there was the, the picture, there was the sign. Now here's the sermon to explain it. I'm the bread of life. And it's this statement that I want us to look at tonight very briefly. And I want to consider just three things as we look at this, this statement in verse 35. I want us to think about the picture and then the prescription. And then thirdly, the promise. The picture, the prescription, and then the promise. So let's then consider this first thing this evening, the picture. Because Jesus begins this statement by saying, I am the bread of life. He uses a picture. And the picture that he's using is one that's very common, that we we know all too well about. He says, I'm bread. Jesus, of course, regularly used similes, didn't he, and metaphors and pictures to to teach the people spiritual truths. And here is another one that he uses, and it's worth our time just for a moment to think about the picture that he's he's drawing here as he thinks about bread. And And I think the first and very obvious thing that we could say is that bread is essential. 
It's essential. Bread's food. And we all need food, don't we, and drink to live and to survive. It's one of those key and vital elements to life. There's lots of things, aren't there, in the world that we can survive without. There's lots of things that you could be stripped of in this life. They may be inconvenient to lose them, but they're not essential. But not food and drink. Food is necessary to life. It sustains life. It's essential to life. I think you see this particularly in hospitals. A patient who may be lying in hospital towards the end of their life, they can survive and stay alive for so long with just food and drink. And you know, don't you, when you hear that a patient is now refusing them, that the end is near. Because food and drink are essential to life. Without bread, without food, we would starve and we would be famished because food is indispensable. I think there's a second thing that we could say about bread, and that is we could say it's simple. Not only is it essential, but it's very simple. You think about what bread consists of. It's little more than flour and water. You might, of course, when you make it, add some yeast and a little salt. Uh, but reality, bread's very, a very simple food product, isn't it? It doesn't take much to make it. And perhaps that's why bread is so universal. There's not many nations in the world that don't make some form of breads. Flatbread and pita bread and so on. You go around the world, everybody eats breads. It's a, it's a very simple thing. So simple that even you know, as a child in home economics class, one of the first things they teach you is how to make breads. You don't need much. There's not much that can go wrong. Unless you're uh, a male student in school, then often it does go wrong. But there isn't much, is there, to bread? It's so simple. It's not like preparing a great meal or some fancy dessert, is it? I don't particularly have an interest in cooking or cooking programs, but lots of people seem to because there seems to be so many on the television. But on these programs, they spend so much time, don't they, and energy rustling up, you know, some souffle or some amazing dessert or, uh, you know, they give some challenging recipe to the contestants and they give, uh, you know, some, they name some dish that you've never heard of and they give some ingredients that, you know, you could never buy in this country and they tell them to make this, this fancy dish. But in comparison, bread is so simple. Just a bit of flour, just a bit of water. But I think we could add a third thing here that we say about bread. Not only is it essential, not only is it simple, but it's suitable. It's very suitable. I hope you don't mind a practical illustration or personal illustration. When I was a student studying agriculture, in my first year we had a series of lectures on crop management. I think, uh, I'm fairly sure that's what the title of the topic was called, but each week we looked at a particular crop or a particular plant and we were taught all about this, this plant, you know, what this, uh, what this, the best depth to sow the plant at, the different varieties, what kind of seed treatments there were for the plants and so on, all the different varieties that there were on the market, best way to manage the weeds and the pests and diseases and so on. But I remember one lecture particularly, I wasn't particularly interested in crop management, that wasn't my area of uh, particular interest, but I do remember one lecture very clearly, and that was when we were studying wheat. 
And towards the end of this uh, lesson, the lecturer brought up a pie chart for everyone to look at. And on this pie chart, it showed a complete breakdown of the chemical composition of wheat flour. And so you, it showed you exactly how much water is in wheat flour, carbohydrates and lipids and fats and so on, all these different things. It was a, this pie chart showing the percentage of all these different things within wheat flour. And then the, the, the lecturer brought up another pie chart next to it. And this pie chart was a breakdown of what the average human being needs in a diet. And the two pie charts were almost identical. And the lecturer wanted us to, to see that bread is so suitable for humans' needs. In actual fact, the reason why I remember this lecture so clearly was because at the end of the lecture, he stood up and he said to everyone, do you know, Jesus is wrong. He said, Jesus claimed that man can live by bread, you know, man shall not live by bread alone. He says, but man can. Because look at the chemical composition of bread and look at what man needs. Of course, the lecturer hadn't grasped what Jesus was saying. In actual fact, he was proving that Jesus was right. Because we think that man can live by bread alone. But of course, the Lord Jesus Christ pointed out, didn't he, that man, while he may live physically by bread alone, that he needs the word of God. And so man can go through this life eating just bread because it's suitable for our needs. Bread is most suitable for all of us. I think there's a fourth thing that we could say about bread, and that is that's inexpensive. Bread's very cheap, isn't it, generally? Unless there's a famine, then bread's one of the cheapest things you can go into the shop and buy. Milk and bread are the staples that we, that we need so often. We go and, you know, just not many pence, and you can buy yourself a full loaf of bread. It's, it's relatively inexpensive. And it can feed, you know, one loaf of bread can, can, can do, feed quite a few people. And, and, and the Lord Jesus Christ is, is showing us about bread here. He's showing us something about himself. He says bread is essential, bread is simple, and it's suitable. And Jesus says, look, do you understand? I am the bread of life. You see, what bread is for the body, Christ says, that is what I am for the soul. You see, he's not, he's not teaching us uh, you know, that uh, we're to do good things and to help the poor and to feed the poor. Of course, we're to, to do these things. But he's saying, look, bread is, is what I am. What, what you need for your body, I am to the soul. And he says it's not his teaching, it's not his doctrine, but him personally, Christ himself. He is the bread of life. I am the bread of life, he says. We've just said that bread is essential for the body and Christ is showing to us here that he's essential for our souls. Our souls are hungry, our souls are famished because of our sins and the only thing that will satisfy our souls is Jesus Christ. Just as a man or a woman would die without food, so we will die in our sins without the Saviour. That is why Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Spiritual life, Christ says, is found only in me. It's exclusively found in Christ. And we noted too that bread for our bodies was simple. There's a simplicity to bread. And there's also a simplicity here to Christ. 
What do I mean when I say that? Well, people try to satisfy their spiritual hunger, don't they, by filling their lives with all sorts of things. They attempt one thing and then they pursue something else, as we said at the beginning, and they perhaps mix various ideas and ideologies and religions and so on. But you see, all that a man needs is Christ. How many people are trying to work their way to heaven, coming up with complicated systems in order to reach God and to reach heaven, and they come up with all sorts of concepts and ideas that we must follow and we must do. But you see, what Jesus says is, for life, you just need me. We also said, didn't we, that bread is suitable for our bodies. And the same might be said of Christ for our souls. He is most suitable. We hunger and we thirst in our souls. And whatever we may try and feed our hunger with, it always leaves us hungering and thirsting for more. We want our sin to be dealt with. That's what we need. We want a righteousness. We need a peace in our hearts. We desperately need our sins forgiven. But it's only Christ, the bread of life, that can fulfill it and satisfy us. He's the one who went to the cross, isn't he, to deal with our sins. He is the one who died in our place, as we were thinking this morning, as our substitute. God poured out his wrath upon him for his people's sins. And so it is, it's Christ alone who can relieve a person's spiritual hunger. It is Christ alone who satisfies the soul's emptiness and provides that life, that spiritual life. And so tonight, friends, you see, if you don't have Christ, then you're spiritually dissatisfied. You spiritually, you have no life. You're famished, you're starving. And you need Christ. And we said that bread was inexpensive. Well, the truth is that we can go even further with Christ because Christ is free. Remember the words of Isaiah, Isaiah 55. That wonderful gospel invitation that Isaiah gives there. He says, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat, yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. He says, Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread? You see, he's talking about spiritual things here. You're, you're constantly trying to spend and spend and spend on things that will never satisfy you. But he says, But come freely. Come without money, come without price. You see, Christ, the bread of life, is free. So as we think about these things, the question that we have on our minds, that we should have on our minds then this evening, if Christ is the bread of life, if Christ is most suitable, if he's essential for us, if he's free, how is it then when we can have this bread of life? That should be the next question. If you're hungering and you're famished, you'll do everything possible to get the the food that you need to eat. How is it then that we can have Christ? Well, we come to the prescription here, our second thing this evening. Because John, or the Lord Jesus Christ, I should say, he then tells us how we can have him. How we can have the one who is the bread of life. You notice what he says here in our second point this evening. He says, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth in me 
shall never thirst. You see, having told us that he is the bread of life, Christ now prescribes the way, the method, the process where we may be satisfied. And he puts it in these two different ways. They mean the same thing. Two words to, to show us how it is that we can be satisfied by having Christ. These words come and these words believe. Come to me, he says. Believe in me. We're to come in faith. We're to come as those who have nothing but our sin. And we're to come knowing that we're in need. We're spiritually empty. We're spiritually famished. And we need everything. And we're to believe in Christ, he says, to place our abiding trust in him, to have a full confidence in Christ. It's him alone who can supply our want. He alone can satisfy our need. And so we're to cast ourselves upon him. Some people have a difficulty here. They want to know all the ins and the outs of what it means to believe. Perhaps you're someone like this tonight. What does it really mean to believe? And you want to try and break it down into steps and processes and so on. And... and, we can have this mental block. I've met people like this before. What does it actually mean to come to Christ? When I was a, a, before I was saved, I, I had a similar thought in my mind. What does it really mean to believe? But Jesus just says, come. Christ just says, believe. In, in a sense, what Christ is saying is, consume me, eat me. You know, if you had a starving child and you placed food in front of them, you wouldn't tell them, would you? Well, what you need to do is you need to pick up your knife and fork and you need to cut a little bit off and then you need to put a bit on your fork and then you need to place it in your mouth. And when it goes into your mouth, do you know what happens? Well, there's enzymes in your saliva and you begin to produce this saliva and it begins to break down the food and then it goes down your esophagus. And you wouldn't do all of that, would you? You would just put the food in front of them and tell them to eat. It's the same here with the Lord Jesus Christ. You just come. You just believe. The wonderful thing is that the the older you get, you begin to understand the processes. You begin to understand what Christ has done. And you begin to see the processes. But when when you're starving, just come. Just believe in him who says, I am the bread of life. And enjoy. Jesus says, you know, trust me. And the question is, have you? Have you come and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you trusted in him? You know, just as it would be foolish for the starving person to just to stare at a plate of food that's been prepared for him, so it would be foolish for the sinner who is spiritually starving to continue life without Christ. You know, these cookery programs that we watch, that people, you know, you see a plate of food and, and they eat just a little bit of corner of one of the beans They have a little bit of the corner of the pie, and and they don't really eat it. But Christ says, no, just come and eat me. Consume me. I'm here. Believe in me. And, of course, it's frustrating when you watch these things. They tell you all about the smells that are coming off the plate. They tell you what it looks like and how wonderful it's been arranged on the plate. But the person who's starving doesn't care about any of that, do they? They don't care whether the sauce that's been drizzled over the top has been made with this and that. They just want to eat. Friends, tonight, if you're a sinner and you're still in your sin, Christ says, just come and believe. Consume me, eat me. I'm the bread of life. And the wonderful truth is that Christ then follows this up with our third thing this evening because he then gives a promise. 
You notice what Jesus says. He says, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth in me shall never thirst. He says, look, if we come, if we believe, if we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, if we by faith eat him, he says, we'll never ever hunger. And we'll never ever thirst. And friends, tonight, what a promise that is. If we are to place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we will, he's saying that we'll find true, lasting fulfilment. Such a person who comes to Christ receives enduring spiritual satisfaction. He says, if you come, as it were, with this believing heart to him in your soul, you'll never experience hunger again. Your soul is filled. You were once famished, but then it will be filled. You were once empty, but it will be full. And it's never going to, it's never, it never ends. We eat and we eat and we eat, don't we? Especially in this country. Especially if you go to North America. Everyone's always eating in North America. Forever sitting down from food. Huge portions, but they have to go back for more and more and more. I wonder how much food you've eaten today because we're never satisfied, are we? Because our bodies need more and more and more. But our, and, but our souls with this famishment, they continually want more and more and more. But when you find Christ, it never hungers again. There's true satisfaction for the soul in Christ. We sung those words a moment ago. Jesus, thou joy of loving hearts, thou fount of life, thou light of men, from the best bliss that life imparts, we turn unfilled to thee again. You see, it's only in Christ we're to turn from the things of this world, to turn from the empty things of this world, to Christ who fills us, and fills us, and fills us. So that we're always full in him, and always satisfied. We're going to sing the words of our hymn in a few moments' time, hymn number 528. It says, Now none but Christ can satisfy, none other name for me. There's love and life and lasting joy, Lord Jesus, found in thee. But as I close tonight, perhaps someone here doubts this promise. Perhaps you wonder if Christ really can uphold what he says here. Oh, he's the bread of life, but do, do I not need something else as well? Is Jesus Christ genuine when he says that I will never ever hunger? Is this really true? Will he really receive me? If I come to him, will he really satisfy me? Well, friends, tonight, if you're someone who's lingering, someone's doubting, just have a look at our passage and just go down a couple of verses to verse 37. Because you notice what Jesus says there. He gives another promise to those who doubt and those who linger. He says this in verse 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Friends, he'll never turn away those who come in genuine faith. He'll never cast out those who cast themselves upon him. Those who seek him in forgiveness. Those who come in repentance and trust in him. And so friends, tonight let me ask you, what about you? Is Christ your saviour? Have you come to the bread of life and believed in him? Tonight we said that the topic that we were thinking of was spiritual satisfaction. 
It's found only in Christ. It's Christ that you need to trust. And so as I close, will you come and experience this love and this life and this lasting joy that's found only in him? Sinner, will you come even tonight to the bread of life?